for the- <laughs> really? Well, so it's an interesting thing, though, if you think about, you know, I've been working with this uh, work, and, 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 and I use this work a lot in spiritual psychology. It's called Feeding Your Demons, oh. and it's actually an ancient Buddhist practice, and we've done a little bit of it on the show, and, and, and it will happen again, because it's one of my favorite practices, and um, Lama Tsultramalioni, who's the modern Tibetan woman Lama in Colorado, who's re resurged this revamped made it modern this ancient practice from the 11th century um it was actually developed by a woman lama in the 11th century it's a very feminine practice i didn't know the dalai lama could be a woman um there are lamas and there's dalai lama the dalai lama is the high lama there's lower lamas it's kind of like being the pope or being a priest oh right so you know a lot of the guy you know buddhism's not too much different than other religions they don't really dig it when women are in power but it happens. You know? <laughs> it happened in Catholicism too over the history. Anyway, it's a very feminine practice, but it, it you know, naming the things that cause us suffering as uh-huh. demons is an interesting way to look at them. Um, in the thing I like about this work is that um, we take the stuff that's non-rational, we take the spiritual, the experiential, and we make it concrete. We live in a world of form. We're used to, our rational mind likes to live in the world of form. And it's part of the reason we have a lot of trouble with our feelings, with relationships, even with money. Like these are things that don't necessarily, even money's really an idea more than a con, you know, if you think about it, like the pieces of paper aren't worth anything. Things that that don't actually have form, we have a lot of trouble with. Sure. Um, And so when we can give it a form, then we can really work with it. That, I mean, it's true. Even when we were trading, like in the earliest findings in archaeological sites, you find like weird shells that they used as money. Like we, right. we create for some reason we we need to take our worth mm-hmm. and our work and rather than it be itself. Like I raised this chicken. You have this chicken. I'm giving you the chicken and you're giving. There's like a transaction, but we can't live in our transactional world without like these I don't know, things and stuff to demarcate the transaction. Like, here is what I gave. Now you're giving me this. Oh, you don't have anything? Well, now you gave me these shells that have meaning that we all ascribe. Right. It's, it's an agreed upon idea. Yeah. It's only, it is weird. A, it's an idea that we've all agreed upon. Intrinsically, there is no such thing as money. Sure. We've made it up and, and then worshipped it. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like a Basically, lot of other and things. Basically, some of us yeah. ruin our lives in pursuit of it, um, or think that it's going to make us happy. Happy, which we both know isn't true. Although being completely destitute may not be great either. But I don't know. We've both been destitute at different times. We've been pretty sure, happy. So. Sure. <laughs> I would rather be physically or uh, financially destitute than emotionally destitute. That's way worse when you're just like at the the depths of. You know. I'm with you, girl. Yeah. I'd I was talking rather. to the emotionally destitute last night, and it was a problem. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> and I woke up with a problem for the emotionally destitute. Once, yeah. once someone sort of, and it, you can tell when the light goes out of their eyes and they kind of give up, like emotionally, and they just sort of like, I'm just going to phone it in from No, I had a deep money conversation with somebody last night who was really, really good with money, and I, but I was trying to talk about my feelings. He said, I don't give a fuck about your feelings. And I was like, <laughs> well, there we go. There, there, there we go. go. There's a figured it different out. languages. But um, so 
so the idea of demonic possession, of course, that's that's the extreme end. Right. Um, I work with demonic possession. We all are with really? it all the time. Uh, so for me, if I see a homeless person who's out there on the street babbling yeah. and like has sores on their body and they've peed themselves, like yeah. really. Is that that per- so? There's a different in shamanism. There's a way to understand that schizophrenia, multiple personality disorder, a lot of the really serious mental illnesses are actually, from a shamanic perspective, their um, energetic attachment. Oh, yeah. It's a totally different, totally different way to understand mental illness. Even yeah. depression, even anxiety, can be seen as energetic forms that attach themselves to the person. Sure. Um, and and so. You know, where does it move from being um, something that's negative into demonic? That That's an interesting question. I, I think it's the level of suffering and the level of destruction. Right. When you don't, I saw a guy without shoes yesterday walking across uh, Van Ness. And uh, it was, a, you know, when Mission crosses Van Ness, it's kind of an interesting corner. Interesting and corner. And he had, yeah. it isn't, yeah, it's a cross section of everything really right but and he, goodwill's right there so and, everybody well, can go hang yeah, out it used to be the goodwill but now they're building <laughs> oh, it's not some, anymore? yeah they're building some monstrosity thing with many many um apartments and condos together in the high rise yeah, oh my god gone. where are all the homeless people going to get their i have a friend uh, who might even be listening right now yeah who used to go and collect stuff there in I, the morning i i've always enjoyed that is where this is such a sidebar but this emerald ring that i found i went to that Goodwill to shop for a uh, Halloween costume. I wanted to dress up as a 70s person and I bought a purse. I bought a macrame purse, like an old weird thing. Right. And I look in the side (gasps) pocket and there's this ring and and it's real. It's a real emerald and it was real gold. And I was like, thank you, Goodwill. Like like eight bucks. (laughs) It was like a $2 purse or something ridiculous. Oh my goodness. And I love this ring. That is so weird. That is so cool. Yeah, it's like so. Look in the side pockets. Somebody donated their stuff and just didn't even know, or gifts. it was like some grandma or something. Right, you know, gifts from the universe. Wow, yeah. yeah, that was nice. But yeah, so that 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 corner, there was a man. He was walking across the street, and the bus had to kind of honk at him because he was taking too long across. And I was like, oh, this poor guy. And I looked at him, and he was like hobbly, and he had socks on no shoes and one of his socks was already like not a sock anymore right and i just like saw that and he had like the sores he was very dirty but he didn't have a backpack or anything and i just thought like where's he coming from and where's he going and what happened to the shoes like there's shoes why do we i i just felt really i but then your thing with demonic possession like hey that kind of makes sense like he's forgotten who he is or was because of, or do you forget it maybe? Well, I I think it's interesting. So there's a kid's movie, Monsters, Inc. Oh yeah, that's a great Came out a long time ago. I love it. Very interesting thing. The doors. How, yeah, no, how a lot of modern culture uh, actually speaks to deeper realities without even knowing it because they exist there. So in Monsters, Inc., the monsters scare the children, and the children's fear is what feeds their whole realm of reality. Like, the children's fear is their energy source. Right. And it, like, recharges the batteries that, like, run the whole monster universe, right? Yeah. Very interesting. So <laughs> at the end, they try, they, they switch it around and try to make the children happy so that the universe is then fed with joy. Right. Okay? Yeah. So 
those two things, fear and joy, um, you could also call them fear and love. So fear and joy really are the two main energy sources in the universe, in my perspective. You can kind of divide everything up into is it joy or is it fear? Sure. And they're, from my perspective, <clears throat> they're each sources of power. Having And we all use both of them all yeah. the time. And... Um, but one is higher power that's constructive and helpful and nourishing. And the other fear is lower power that's mm-hmm. destructive and harmful and creates suffering. And wow. So those two ways are both ways we power ourselves. That's, f- that's a different way to understand. They talk about that we live in a realm of duality. If you've ever heard that, sure. like everything, you know, we have Yin black, white, yeah. y- right, oh, yeah. right. Sun and moon and night and day and man, man and, and woman and, and yeah. all that. Right. Yeah, yeah. So in, um, that is one way to understand the spiritual reality is fear or love, fear or joy. Sure. And so. If we think about the way that we move ourselves through the world, um, we could divide almost all of our reactions, all of our feelings into one of those buckets. Wow. Okay. It's just a different, it, it's a, but oh. it's still, they both have power and they might even both have equal power. They do. They could absolutely have, well, they could have equal power. However, the consequences of the behaviors that go with that or the consequences of that energy are different. One is constructive and one is destructive. But some people have that destructive energy and they see it as constructive for themselves. So like, because the power is so important that... They, maybe they don't see that they're causing suffering or harm because they're seduced by the power. Perhaps. Absolutely, because that could be that might be a way to explain 45's errant behaviors. Absolutely, no, he believes in what he's doing. Right. He really does. Right. No, I, I mean it's a, so so excellent point through fear. So one Ooh. of the things about fear is that, and we all have both, right? We all have joy. Sure. We all have fear. Hopefully, we have both. Um, is that fear is really what it what it evokes in us is the desire to protect ourselves, uh, right? If we're afraid, we want to protect ourselves generally, sure. or we collapse. I mean, there's different things that can happen, and so there's a way to understand um, or to look at the world as that. So we have physical form; things take physical form. We can take actions, but that as we move deeper into kind of the realms of um, rational thinking, feeling. Um, that thoughts and feelings actually have a form too mm-hmm. on the energetic plane that now you might have had this experience. Did you ever think about somebody and then like you get an email? Absolutely. Or, or a, a text call. From them, or a call. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Or you call, this is the craziest one that happened. I swear I called someone else's number and it went to another person's number right. that I was thinking about. And I'm like, okay, no, I know whose number I dialed because I was using the actual like boop, 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 like not keying in the number, but on the list. And I just, just thought, I was like, I, how am I connected to this person in this way that it was weird? It was weird. right. So to me, that's what serendipity is mm-hmm. like that. There, there's something else going on. I mean, that happens for me all the time now. As a matter of fact, I, I will, I have a joke that if I, if you really want me to call you, just think about me a joke and I'll, will happen. <laughs> and I'll do funny. it. Cause I try to stay tapped in on that plane. So, so if there is a way to think about that, you could just call it a phenomenon, but what is the phenomenon? There is a way that there is some level of, uh, you know, Carl Jung called it like the transpersonal, Sure. um, that there's some other communication realm that's happening beyond the level of our rational mind with thoughts and feelings. 
And so, so we take that a step further, um, that thoughts and feelings and certainly particularly patterned thoughts of thoughts and feelings that we have and we all have patterns right and some of them are positive and a lot of them are negative a lot of them are ways again that we defend ourselves that we we protect ourselves ways we motivate ourselves um through the world for example um you know for a long time in my in my life uh i had a voice that told me i was fat oh Right. Like most women, I swear, like probably 90% of the women have a voice that tells them they're fat, right? Right, Absolutely. You're fat. And part of the motivation for that was to try to make myself look better so that I would be attractive so that people would love me. Right. Right. So the motive is to get love or joy, right? But it's coming through this destructive way. Right. Yeah. Right. I understand. Right. So it's like if I, I mean, if you really look deeply at it, there is an attempt, although that that inner voice and for me it was a voice that always told me I wasn't good enough um which I call that the inner critic right and there's a lot of different forms of it that um so that voice if I really look deeply at it it's actually trying to help me wow if I if I really so we do this in this work and we're gonna you're gonna we're gonna listen to a session a little bit later with someone so we ask it like what's if you really ask that voice what's your purpose generally its purpose is to protect you it's to try to help you it's to protect you from so if you think you're fat it's kind of like if I write my name on the bathroom wall then no one else can call me a slut sure sure (laughs) right 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 no that makes sense no I, I I get the I get the fat thing it's that you're it's the same thing with like uh, my, one of my inner voices says like that um, is like you're a terrible person all the time, but I use it as a defense mechanism because with comedy I'm saying such terrible things about you know j- just as an like a perspective on the world I'm pointing out things that are a lot of times unlikable and so I sort of write and say I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a terrible person, but at, it's. Be- because of the eye that I'm turning on the world. But if I, and the other one is, that's a very good defense mechanism for comedians is I'm going to hate myself so much. None of you can hate me as much as I hate myself. Therefore I'm protected. The audience can't, the audience could never hate me as much as I hate myself. Therefore right. everything's okay. So no matter what they do, no matter if they don't laugh or whatever, and they hate me, it's fine. I hate myself more. Don't worry about it. Like that's, And I do that all the time, and I've always been like, and I'm trying to pattern myself out of that. Like, why do I tell myself I hate myself? You want to do it today? We can do it. Oh, I try to deprogram. No, 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 no. Like, we can make that baby. We can transform that baby today on spiritual psychology live here on Mutiny FM. I say, I say all the time, like, and but you just saying that makes me go, oh, because if I hate myself, and I think it's from high school, and I had bulimia too for a long time, and it was, and I was a cheerleader, but I would look at my cheerleading jacket, but I was like, if. I hate myself, then boys can't hate me any worse. Like, guys don't ask me out. That right. makes sense because why would they? Because no one can hate me more than I hate me. Like, exactly. So, you defense you just, mechanism. It's you just weird. beautifully described the defense mechanism. But if you think about that defense mechanism and like really feel into it, it's really painful. Sure. Like, it may, the attempt is to protect us from getting hurt. Right. But how it protects us from getting hurt, if we're really present with it, is that it, like, hurts us every day. Sure. 
it kind of hurts us every day. Like I'm going to practice being rejected every day inside my own head. So in case anyone else ever rejects me, I'm so used to it. It won't hurt. Right. That's, that's, that's exactly it. Right. Cause you so, constantly, I mean, any kind of performance art, you're under constant scrutiny of the audience liking you or disliking you or appreciating or not appreciating your work. So, so there's a way to understand, and if you're open to doing it, it's really yeah, great work. Sure. Um, the there's data. a way to understand that we act, that that's kind of like an energy construct. It's almost like an energetic parasite. It's like, I look at it like a piece of armor that at some point I felt vulnerable. I was either afraid of being hurt or I was hurt or, or I felt powerless and I needed something to help me. Sure. And so... I reached for whatever was there, and again, we can search. We can reach for joy, or we can reach for fear. And I re- and and the fear bucket just resonated with me, and this thing that's kind of this attached itself to me as a defensive structure. So when um, and the attempt is to help me, right? Now, what happens is a lot. Of, so a lot of times we take this stuff on as kids. Well, but here's the problem. The reason you take on fear as opposed, or reason I take on fear as opposed to taking on joy is that taking on joy or saying that I'm good at something then negates humility. So the fear of being full of myself and thinking I'm awesome, that is a huge fear for me because what if I think I'm awesome, but I'm so deluded because I think I'm so awesome that no one else thinks I'm awesome and I don't even see, I'm so like in the joy of like, I'm awesome that I have no context of myself with others in reality. Because I'm like, I'm so great. It's like Instagram. Everyone thinks they're so great. And it's like, yeah, they're not that great. But they're like reaching for the joy. Like, I'm awesome. And then I'm afraid to be the person that thinks they're awesome but isn't actually awesome. And then if other people point out that, then that's even scarier. Like, cause then the whole world that I've constructed crumbles and this is all in my head, like of whatever, but it's no, but you're describing the human condition perfectly. And really, so there's a difference between joy and ego gratification. Oh, there's a big difference. (laughs) (laughs) There's a big difference. So joy really arises from our own spirit. It arises from our sense of being and acceptance of who we are in the world and that we have a place here and that really we are connected to the greater wholeness and it's all good. Right. And we're okay how we, however we are. Like that, that is a place where joy can, and connectivity, like exper- experiencing connectivity is what joy is. Ego gratification is generally only about how other people perceive me. Ah. It has to do with what's happening with my relationship, just with the external world. But isn't that who we are, how people perceive us? Are we, I mean, is it? Is it half how we perceive ourselves and half how other people perceive us? Because I find that how other people perceive me is way more important than how I perceive myself. It doesn't matter how I perceive myself. I mean, maybe, I guess it does. I guess we're learning here today on spiritual psychology. But that's like the whole world is how other people perceive you. Well, it has become the way the world is. Mm. And I think it's actually part of the problem because everybody's concerned if, if that's, it's kind of like money, like this is the agreed upon thing. Everybody's trying to please everybody else. Where is the basis for approval? 
Like, uh. is it coming from a deep grounded place that's actually not, again, is it rooted in fear or is it rooted in joy? It's rooted and for in most people on Facebook. It's rooted in, which is rooted in fear, which is rooted in fear. A lot of it is rooted in fear. I mean, I've probably told you the story about my client and, and I know a lot of people do this and they don't admit it. Like I, I had a client. She was terribly depressed, beautiful, stunningly gorgeous woman, always perfectly put together, gorgeous clothes, lived in a beautiful apartment. And she would go out places and take pictures of herself and then post them on Facebook and they weren't true. Huh? Yeah. Because she wanted people to think she was living this life. Wow. Yeah. And she wasn't. Yeah, she would go out. She like took a, the day she came to, to that she told me this. She went. She sat on a deck. She ordered a, a glass of wine. She took a selfie of herself and said, "I'm here with all my friends having a glass of wine at blah 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 place." She drank the glass of wine. She went home and climbed in bed for the rest of the afternoon. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, talk about. Well, right. and the, I mean, we have to think of it this way too. Like, we're of a slightly advanced age. Let's imagine that you're in high school, and girl, you... I ain't advanced until I'm seventy. Okay, fair. <laughs> But we're in that same like okay let's let's pretend I mean I was around in the 80s too let's pretend it's it's 1985 and you take a bunch of pictures of yourself and things you like and you put them up on your wall and then you invite all of your friends over and you say come over and touch the pictures that you like like that's an insane concept right like think about it in the 80s or the 70s even like come over to my house I'm going to show you all these pictures on a wall and I want you to touch the pictures and say that you like those it is weird. And now we're like... We do it all the time. It, constantly every day and like people live and die on like how many likes they get or on their Instagram, their hearts or whatever. And it's like, sometimes I feel like when we're in that internet realm, it's all just, I don't know, is any of it real? Like the filters, I just learned about the filters. There are women who... They put the filters on their face so they look so pretty. And then they showed, like, this is what I look like without my Instagram filters. Oh, right. Uh, it's like, then why are you taking pictures of yourself? I just, I can't. I'm just trying to, like, how is it so big now? Like, we just all decided as a group, yep, fear. We're going with fear. I think it is. Well, <laughs> I think it is about, I think it is about fear because it's easier to click on a picture than it is to have a conversation. Ah. It's well, and there's this whole thing also about endorphins that actually, you know, they do they've been doing tests on kids that the amount of endorphins you get from a hug from a person is the same amount of endorphins that people get when they get a like on Facebook. What? Yeah, it's really kind of scary. So there's a whole <laughs> so there's a whole actual psychochemical thing that's happening right. where people are associating feeling connected with with this pseudo connection that we get online, but which is interesting. So, you know, it kind of ties back to the idea of where do I get my reality about who I am and my experience? Yeah. And is it through how other people see me? Right. Or is it authentically through my own experience of myself and my own experience of the world? And I mean, most people do filter who they are and how they are through other people, but you know, if you really think deeply about that, that's kind of terrifying because most people are fucked up. Right. And most people don't, <laughs> and most people don't care about other people anyways. Because well, so other everybody's people doing so, the same thing. Right. Right. Everybody's trying to impress everybody else with whatever is impressive within the particular social or cultural system that you're in. Sure. And I personally believe that we are creations, part of a larger creative force, and that our work here is to be us. 
Ah, like, like I'm supposed to be me. I'm not supposed to be the me that Pam and Mike and George like. I'm supposed to be the me that I was created to be. But because our culture and our family and all of society roots us to pleasing others, the school system. Sure. Right. It's all about pleasing some stupid teacher, right? And getting an A rather than being creative. Right. Um, so what happens, and, you know, after I die, I have a lot of questions to ask those that figured out this system. But, uh, <laughs> you know, somewhere in early childhood, generally, whole parts and huge parts of who we authentically are gets get squished or put away. Right. Right? Because they're sure. not acceptable. It's not okay. People don't like that. Girls right. don't get dirty. Boys don't wear dresses. Whatever. Sure, whatever. Whatever thing the thing is that. to not be who you really are. So if I'm not who I really am... Who am I? Right. Some yeah. Facebook facsimile that I think you're going to like. And and what happens to the real, my soul? Sure. What happens to who I really am? Well, that's why in the future, AI stuff will work, is that you could just take everybody's online reactions and interactions and download them into like some sort of AI being. And then you're not there. Your soul obviously isn't there, but for other people who see you, they might think it's you because it's a collection of everything that you put out on the media. So it was how everybody saw you anyway. So if you put it into an AI body, you won't be there, but everyone will think you're still there. So right. it's like all that kind of like saving your brain or downloading your consciousness that all the rich little kids are trying to do right now. I'm spending $40,000 to cryogenically freeze my brain. Like, great. <laughs> but when they put that into this AI body, I don't think it's going to be the but person. It's going to be all of the collection of their experiences, but it's not them. Right. So we get to that question of what is the real them? Oof. What is the essential person? And from my perspective, I mean, I, I feel like my life work is dedicated to helping people nourish and support and discover that. That's because cool. that's where real joy is. When I'm actually in connection with my authentic self, with, you know, I tend to look at it the world like a garden like so if we're all flowers in the garden you know and, and you go into a garden and there's no such thing as a perfect tulip there's no such thing as a perfect daisy like they they each are unique sure right and but if daisies are out of fashion which they probably kind of are right now and you should be a petunia or whatever you should be then you know i can spend my whole life trying to be a petunia sure right my daisiness isn't good enough i'm supposed to be i'm a crappy petunia <laughs> right? Yeah. But I got to try to be a petunia. I got to dress myself up and paint myself purple or whatever I got to sure, do, sure. right? To try to be a petunia. But I'm a crappy petunia. I'm never going to find joy. I'm going to live in fear that I'm supposed to be a petunia. Most of us feel like that. I, no, I know. I used to watch, look at the girls with the size two jeans and I'd be like, their thighs are so small. I'm never going to have small thighs as opposed to being like, awesome. I've got like big legs that are strong and can do things and can run and can dance and that can, they're, they're big legs. They're great. As opposed to like, I want to be a skinny, tiny model. Like it's the same thing with height. I'm only five, five. I wish if only, if only I was five, 10, you know, right. that then I'd be. And I know people five, 10 that are like, I can't get a date. <laughs> <laughs> Because all men are 5'9". Because all whatever. men are 5'9", yeah. right. So so that 
whole, again, we're talking about, if we talk about fear and joy, like sure. that's all rooted in fear that we aren't good enough how we are. Right. And there's a lot of religion. There's a lot of culture. There's a lot of family that yeah. will support that. Sure. And so if everybody agrees that they aren't good enough how they are, and we're filtering our reality of who we are through other people who don't think they're good enough. It's kind of insanity. It, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. It's like an echo chamber. It's an echo chamber. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good one. Yeah. And you know, for me, the difference between th- humility and thinking I'm great is humility is really an accurate assessment of who and what I really am, mm. both positive and my challenges. So, Nobody's perfect. There is no such thing. Perfection is even is a, is a foolish word when you talk about anything that's real. Everything's unique. So, so to own that you have strong legs and you have a sense of humor and like the things that are uniquely Pam, it doesn't necessarily make you better than other people. It's just what's uniquely you. Right. And humility for me, as much as anything else, is the ability to own what's good about myself in a balanced way with what my challenges are. That's humility. Right. What makes me better than other people is that I don't have a cell phone and I've never seen the movie Titanic. Those are the things that make me I'm better. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. I just had this conversation the other night. I held out for 20 years to see Titanic. I just saw it six months ago. I loved it. You loved it. Okay. I I'm loved it. I thought it was going to be so sappy. I, and you know what? It was not sappy. I did not like the last 30 seconds. The okay. only thing I would change is the last 30 seconds of the movie. What did everybody live? No, <laughs> no, I would not. I would change. You'd have to see it to know the last 30 seconds. Okay. But, um, because I don't understand why she did the thing she did. It was kind of stupid, but, but the whole idea, basically what happens is he returns her to her authentic self. Uh-huh. She's trapped. She's trapped in a gilded cage of a privileged life mm. and he sets her free. And he really does set her free. I mean, he, and, and the fact that he does, it's not the idea that, the, that, she doesn't even really mourn him. <laughs> she doesn't. It wasn't like some unrequited love and she's going to love him. It wasn't like that at all. He had a purpose. He was a bridge. He was a bridge to get her out of this privileged life that she was in as a disempowered woman, pre-woman's right to vote. Sure. Right? And, and, she, and he sets her free. I, I, I really, I have to tell you, it wasn't what I expected. I thought it was this like love thing and he would die and it would be this tragedy. It wasn't even that sad. Huh. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio is pretty cute at that age too. <laughs> but uh, no, he dies. It wasn't that big of a deal when he died. Well, I mean, I have to say it yeah. just for me. I sure. I don't know. It was I more the know. fact that she lived. And how she lived, yeah, and he helped her to do that. I, if you get, I'm telling you, it's just one. Of I know your holdout. It's I, an I'm ego hold, thing. It's an ego thing. Yeah, it's just she's the, not going to see Titanic. I just everyone saw it. I was like, I want to be different. It was one of the ways I claimed to be unique. <laughs> well, being different is fine. Being different is fine. If if it's authentic to who we are. Sure. I mean, that's um, so. There's an interesting thing to think about if you think about thoughts as things if you think about feelings as things I think thoughts are real though that goes back to Socrates and think and Plato and thinking thoughts are real when you think of something it exists in your head that thought is real it has it has a form. form yeah it's real right and then it can become form like there's nothing in this room right now there's nothing in the room of any of our listeners right now that wasn't a thought 
Sure. Right. This was all created. Somebody had a thought, an idea, and then it they made it in one form or another. They gathered the money and the resources, and then it became. Disposable cups. Magic. Disposable. And, and straws, <laughs> and which straws. I love straws. Straws are going to go away pretty soon, but I'm sad about that. But um, so if you think about if thoughts are things, and if everybody has them, and we can look at our family of origin, our own childhood, that we've all picked up thoughts from other people. Right. Yeah. I mean, look at the thoughts that are being spewed right now from 45. Ooh, yeah. Right. Thoughts of of bigotry and hatred sure. and, and fear and misogyny. And, and people are taking those on. Absolutely. Right. And, and they're taking them on without even knowing it. I think that it's I think it's negatively affecting so many people it is. without them even being conscious of it. Like right. It's, no, it's so the level of unconsciousness is where attachment happens. Ah. So, but it attaches to us because there's some way that we resonate with it. So like, we are not fans of 45, right? I know that. There are a lot of, I was just, <laughs> I was down in Death Valley. Oh my God. With everybody with the flags, the like Trump 2020. Oh, wow. That was interesting. That was interesting. So there's a lot of people that are, so the resonance, there's a different resonance. Like, I don't resonate with bigotry and hatred, right? But right. there's people that do because they, they have fear. But they're resonating with tax breaks and promises. Some of them are of, also just resonating with fear. They okay. have fear of losing what they have, fear sure. of yeah, they're not that, being that, enough, that, that, and yeah. brown people are going to take it away from me. Right. Or, you know, like that, sure. that idea. Um, we all pick up thoughts from our parents. Right. Our parents, my mother's opinions about me, my mother's, and I might take them on directly or I might, um, defend myself against them. Like, mm. I don't want to, you know, my parents would tea toting, tea party, gun toting Republicans. And, oh my. you know, I, wow. I've like defended myself against that and gone the other direction, reacting to the thoughts of other people. When we take those on, um, and, and if we look deeply, a lot of the internal talk that people have is stuff that was given to them. By a caregiver, sure. by a coach, by a teacher. You know, I mean, we talked about the thing that happened to you in That's, kindergarten yeah, with the teacher that, teacher, that she, said she, you were. Mrs. Mowers, she was the worst. Yeah, called right. me fat in front of the whole class. Called you fat in front of the whole class. Like, Ooh. boom. That was like an interject, right? Oh, my God. That went in there. Well, it made me be a teacher. I mean, I think that. That's why I was a teacher for a couple of years out of college is that I was like, oh, my God, I've got to protect children from these teachers that say terrible things. Like if you're a kindergarten teacher, you're supposed to be a sweet, like a completely patient, really. Not, I mean, kindergarten teachers are special people. And I don't even think they they're like, should be. But they aren't always. But I can't imagine you are you're going to be in a room with a bunch of children. And you're going to be mean to them and abuse them. That's insane. Well, so one of the things that can happen, and we all do this, is that, and I, I actually can say this, that we all do this, is that it's very easy for us to feed off of each other. Mm -hmm. And that when my negativity, so I can often, if I put someone else down, it's generally an attempt to elevate myself. Sure. And I'm feeding on their life energy. It goes back to the Monsters, Inc. thing, like, if you're suffering, then um, I actually can feed off of that. It's very bad. I think that you should tell your daughter to write that as a thesis project for college or something. It's a great, it's a really great concept of taking Monsters, Inc. and like using it as a, as a structure to see our own lives. That's amazing. Like it's, it's really well, it's, deep. <laughs> it, there's a lot of reality to it <laughs> when we, great. when we look at what's happening on a spiritual, on an energetic level, taking, well, the good news about it for me is that we take these things, <clears throat> pardon me, 
And when they have form, then we are no longer disempowered by them. We're no longer victimized by them. We can actually do something about it, Uh, which is, I'm all about, let's do something about this. Sure. Right. So what can we do to make this better? Like that, just like yourself, you're a justice person. That's part of your authentic self. So, you know, your kindergarten teacher said a terrible thing. It had an impact on you, but you turned it into how can I not do this to other people or how can I be a better person and, Right. How does not happen with other kids? There's a lot just, of different ways I it tell, can go. I tell little girls always, even when they're two or three or young, I always compliment them on their uh, cleverness or their word usage or their big sentences or like, what a good speaker you are before I tell them how pretty they are. Oh my God. Why does every single, like, whenever anybody sees a child, the first thing they say is, oh, you're so beautiful. You're so pretty. It's like... Don't tell little girls they're pretty. Stop it. Right. <laughs> like, right. Stop doing we're, we're that. Very, but that's part of the, it starts the attachment to what other people think and how other people see us right away, yeah. which I mean, it is part of being social beings that we interact and, and we have influence on each other. But when those, when those influences become, they outweigh their useful social purpose. Yeah. So, you know, someone says something to you and then you have it in your head for the rest of your life. Right. And and it's a harmful thing. That's energetic interference. Yeah. So and a lot of people think, well, that's just in there. There's nothing I can do about it. Like, you know, my kindergarten teacher told me I'm fat. That could wreck you for the rest of your life. That could be in there. It actually is like she installed this thing and it stayed there. So she uploaded a program and the program needs an update. And I'm going to tell you the program can be updated. That can be extracted. We can get really that those interjects, those inserts, we can get used to them. We can orient ourselves around them. They can be ways we mo- like I, I started with the idea of like, I'm fat. Right. I mean, for me, that came from my first boyfriend who told me I had a fat ass when I was 13 years old oh and I really wanted to impress him. And so I started to make myself throw up. Wow, and then yeah. the whole thing for me became, I need to be skinny so people will love me. Right. Yeah. Right. No, because there's a belief that only how other people see me make me lovable. Right. And I'm, I don't have intrinsic worth as a person because right. I'm not connected with my authentic self and my joy. Right. And no one will listen to me unless I'm skinny and pretty because no one listens to fat people. We're terrible to fat people. We're terrible. I don't know if it's all over the world or if it's just the United States, but I mean, it's, we're not nice. <laughs> our, all of our, like the, we, we, have this slovenly like we when we think about like people who are I don't know I just I feel I feel bad but it's part of my programming too that like fatness is somehow the worst evil of all somehow I don't know if that's because I grew up so wealthy or because everyone has diet food or or I I don't understand why but it's it's a strange it's a strange thing we're in you know the 1800s if you were fat that meant you were rich right like you if you were there would be like wow you're fat right no you look at all awesome. the paintings right wow no, it was good it meant it meant that you, then had, you had prosperity money. in yeah. your life right enough money to eat <laughs> so so let's do a piece of work okay. let's do a piece of work on pam so what's that voice in your head that makes your life miserable it just tells me that i'm um but that i i hate myself i say it all the time i'm like i hate you i hate myself okay so if you come into your body just take a minute, take a deep breath. Notice where your feet are and your hands are and your head is. And um, see if you can, do you actually hear it? 
Oh, all the time. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So see if you I can... actually say it out loud sometimes, okay. like on the bus or whatever. I'll be like, oh, I hate myself. Okay. So <laughs> I had, I, I used to have that voice. I'm going to tell you, I haven't, I don't have that voice anymore. That's nice. So we're going to get rid of this voice for you too. So see if you can notice where that voice lives. Is it more on the right? Is it more on the left? If, if you were going to try to like, listen, where do you hear? Uh, I would say the right, right side. Okay. And is it all over the whole right side or just more like towards your temple or toward the back? Uh, probably like the whole kind of side of my head. Okay. And then it talks to the other part. But I mean, usually it makes my voice go say it out loud. What's the part it's talking to? Uh, it's talking to the part of me that's embarrassed about something that I did or didn't do or that I accomplished, but maybe I did it wrong. Or I think maybe that I offended somebody or maybe sometimes I say some really fucked up shit on stage and I'll be like, Oh my God, was I, did I really say that in front of people? I hate myself. Like I'll, I'll, it's like the, it's the judgment of some actions that I've that I'm, I'm trying to like circle back and look at my day and then I'm like, Oh no. It sounds like it's a way you're trying to emotionally regulate yourself when you're unsure. Sure. Or you take a risk. Well, it's after the risk has been taken. Right. It's like, it's after, yeah, it's, it's once I've put something out there and then I'm like, and there's some fear around it. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So if, if you bring your awareness to that right, right side of your brain, if, if we were going to give it a color or a shape, what color or shape does it have? Oh, I'm going to say yellow, uh, yellowish green. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a, like a, I'm going to go with like a mucusy, snotty sort of covering, like the kind of stuff where you try to wipe it off, but it kind of gets all over the... It's like, it's like I didn't know that I just crapped an oil painting kind of thing. Like right. I'm trying to wipe this off. It's, and it's not poo per se, but it's more like slimy goo that like it's now it's like, it's like, Oh, now it's on my fingers. And it's like, I can't, ah, you try to get the wipes and you just can't even remove it. And it's still there like a little sludgy. Okay. It's mucusy yucky. So we're going to, we're going to ask it a couple of questions. So as a matter of fact, let's see if you could move that energy out of your body and it could personify itself, this kind of green slimy thing that's on the right. If you, if you could personify it in front of you with limbs and a head and a face, what size would it be? Oh, little, like maybe the size of like a, a dill pickle. Okay. Uh, but you kind of like a dill pickle, like kind of bumpy and green and sort of slimy and what's his personality like? Uh, I think it's kind of a dick. It's like a... Is it a dick? Yeah, it's like... It's It's the size of a green dick. It's the size of a green dick. It's like living in my... It's living in the left side of my head. It's a little little cock with a bad attitude. It's like, like, you're so fucking dumb, Pam. Why did you do that? Um, Okay. Yeah, and it's like, it's all like... And it's got like little, you know, like little weird spindly arm things. And it's like has little fingers is like you're a big dummy like pointing at me how does it feel about you um you know i that's the thing i think it's conflicted because like it wants to be it wants to be out in the public it wants to be like look at me i'm like pickle dick i'm like (laughs) but it's uh not Mm. but it's it's like that it can't be it wants to be the center of attention right but it's it's pretty gross you don't want to you don't want to you know have a slimy 
show everybody your slimy pickle. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, I love you. <laughs> so how does it feel about you? If this is something you have a relationship with, how does it feel about Pam? It feels I'm dumb that I always say the wrong thing and it's trying to tell me, like, stop doing that dumb shit. But the, the other thing is that, like, and it, it yells at me a lot about, like, one of its little diatribes is, like, you're not even drunk right now and you're still doing stupid shit. Like, it, it tells me, like, that... Uh, I don't know. It's sort of like the justific. It's the, my actions. That's when it gets mad at me. It's like, you know, if you want to do dumb shit, then you have to be drunk so you won't remember it. <laughs> like, don't. <laughs> otherwise, I'm here and I'm going to tell you you did dumb shit. So, and what? it's not even that the shit is dumb. It's just something I said or I maybe offended someone or maybe I wrote my name on a list weird or maybe I should have been. Uh, I should have signed up number three and then I signed up number five and so now I'm going to be late. I'm so stupid. I hate myself. Like just small shit like that too. Just like, mm -hmm. what's its purpose? Doesn't have to make any sense. I'm going to ask it. What's its purpose? Uh, to keep me from being stupid in front of people, I guess. Like, and what's the purpose of keeping you from being stupid in front of people? Uh, uh because they're going to not they're gonna not they're I'm gonna whatever respect they might have had for me they could potentially lose if they either respected me as a producer or a comedian or whatever they could respect me for they'd be like oh well she's you know she fucked it up this time and like she's not even drunk but that's I think that a lot of it has to do with like there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of drinking component in there, but I don't, I don't drink that much, but I have this reputation that I drink a lot. So I think that this little guy is like trying to sort of protect me, but What's he trying to protect you from, um, from, from people not respecting me, I guess, or that if people don't respect me, it doesn't matter because I don't respect myself. Like it's, it's okay, okay that people don't respect me. Cause why would you? you know, kind of thing. Okay. How, how does the voice make you feel? Um, I, I, now see the thing is I don't really register the emotions of shame or regret except in this sort of like little, well, let's really dick. drop into it. This is pickle dick. How does pickle dick make you feel? Uh, I mean, not good, but still it's that safety thing of like, you know, no one can hate me more than I hate myself. So screw them. Really, it doesn't matter. Is that really safe? I mean, um, you're rooted in hatred in that place. Sure. Uh, it's just be like having to be responsible for all of my choices is tough to do in the mo moment. So I usually just, I'm acting in the moment and I think in the moment everything's fine, but then lady, late, later the little pickle dick is like, you're a fuck up. Like mm. you shouldn't have, you should think before you act. You shouldn't, you know, so, cause sometimes on stage I don't have a plan at all. Like I have no idea where I'm going to go with it. I just sort of talk mm -hmm. and try to be funny and things can get off the rails. They can go pretty wonky. And then. And sometimes I, sometimes I think it's funny. Sometimes I don't even remember what I said, but you know, and then the, 
the pickle will be like, oh man, you suck. Like, why did you even do that? So I guess, yeah, usually it shows up after I'm sort of like in the moment, like I'm like, I'm just flowing with the groove, bro. Like I'm just doing my thing and not like not being, having a rational thought pattern behind like you're just in the flow, right? In the flow. Just not, it's like when I'm not consciously choosing my choices, I'm just like letting that all happen. I'm being sort of Buddhist. I'm like, look at me, enjoy the moment of transit. But later I, that's the voice that's like, ah, you suck when you do that. But then I don't really know if I do or not, because I don't usually like when I'm in that sort of flow, I I don't really remember everything because I'm so present that it's hard to have like a past or present voice on the actions of now. So it's like me second guessing my authentic self just doing whatever it does mm-hmm. that's so and then it's like man you suck but then sometimes I barely even remember and it's and I swear it's not that I'm drinking it's just that sometimes if I'm in the moment I just I can't remember stuff like it's just you're just in it I'm just in it it happens a lot on stage I'm just like there and then I'm like oh what did I do but thank goodness so much of this is recorded so if I do decide to go back and see what a dick I am I can, I can listen to it <laughs> all right so here's a question yeah see if you can and, and this doesn't have to make any sense yeah when was the first time that you experienced this voice in your life oh, what comes up when I offer it probably junior high maybe freshman year of high school okay do you know the situation uh yeah actually so I, when I was in junior high, I went to this one, I went from a Christian school to a junior high, but it wasn't the junior high I was supposed to go to. It was a different one. And then the high school was a different. So Los was the junior high and it fed into this high school called Monta Vista. And then there was this one called Charlotte Wood and it fed into San Ramon wearing the jacket. Um, but I went to Los and so all my friends were going to Monta Vista and in, in junior high, I was exceptionally popular. I had lots of friends and a really great group of people. I love junior high. Junior high was awesome. Like it was me too. I love junior high. I had so much fun. Yeah, in I had so much high. fun in junior high. I, I did high. so many drugs was, in junior high. I didn't do any drugs. I got arrested and I had did, so much fun and drugs. so many boys. Anyway, go ahead. But <laughs> boys liked me, all that stuff. I yeah, yeah. ski trips. Boys liked me. Yeah, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That was my junior high. I was, yeah. people liked me. It was different. So then I went to this other high school my parents said we're not driving you all the way to Monte Vista when we live across the street from San Ramon we're not going to do that I was like but all my friends they're like screw your friends you'll make new friends so that freshman year in in high school the very first week I was like well I'm going to run for student council president because I was so popular at Los Eros well little did I know that everyone at Charlotte Wood hated my guts like of course they did I came in from another school and they're like fuck you you're running for president fucking what the who the fuck thinks that that's a good idea and I was like I do I think it's a great idea I'm super fun I can't wait to meet people I'm really great I'm gonna be your leader I love working like I'll do all the shitty jobs you hate whatever you know be anyways I don't know nobody I didn't have a lot of friends at that point but nobody said to me what the fuck are you doing you don't go from this other junior high where you were popular and you go into the new thing and you think that everything's gonna be fine are you insane are you an insane person because you really didn't know you didn't have enough information of the world as a young teenage, very, very, uh oh, what happened? I unplugged myself. Oh, yeah, you're, you sh- it, yeah, sometimes. Very you're- enthusiastic person. You didn't have enough information. I didn't know. Right. But my parents. 
parents didn't tell me. Nobody threw me a bone on this Nobody one. Like, told you. Maybe it would be best for you not to okay. run for student council president your freshman year in a new okay. school. So, <laughs> so this, so this makes sense that Pickle Dick would show up to try to clue you in. Yeah. Hey, right. Exactly. Is that, is that sure. Yeah. Don't do weird shit, Pam, because, or don't think uh, it's it's the concept of being bigger than your britches, or like my talent writing checks, my ego writing checks that my talent can't cash. Well, like you said, so what I hear is, and, and this come up earlier, we were talking about, you know, thinking I'm so great and people don't know, which is what that comes from, right? Is, is not having a reality check on your own experience of yourself versus the social situation that you're in. Right. And what's that reality check? I don't know. I've right. never been able to figure so it out. Right. So I just have to ask, so... Uh, what happened in the election? It was awful. The oh, guy, so this guy named Max got up on stage and said, like, basically, who the fuck is this? And what I wrote this great speech and I was like, hey, I know, I know, I know I come from another school and I just, I really want to work hard. I've always wanted to be in student government. This is like a, a thing that I've, I've wanted. And I feel like I can really like help you guys out. And especially coming with a different perspective, like oh, I, and I was, I wrote this great speech and like nobody clapped. And then this guy, <gasps> Max got up and he was like, basically, who the fuck does she think she is? You're going to oh. vote for this this person you don't even know who Aww. says things. Oh, is she a smarty pants. What the, who the fuck is this bitch? And he didn't say, and then everybody like screamed and clapped for him and were like, Max, 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 Max. And of course he didn't do anything. And he got elected president and he was a fucking pile of dog shit that didn't do anything for anybody. And just kind of sat there like the king of nothing. I mean, I should have run for treasurer or secretary right. or but you didn't know. I didn't know. Okay. So hold on a second. Yeah. So that Max guy was a dick. Okay. So we have this girl. So if you think about that girl and when the pickle dick comes to her, where is she when, when she first hears this voice? Uh, I mean, it was probably like stage. Yeah, probably. I remember the way that stage looked too. Like it was, it was where also we, it was like where the dances were, this stupid auditorium, this big, it's where we played basketball. Okay. Yeah. So it feels like after those speeches, she's just, I feel so bad for that girl. So if you think about that girl, if you, if you really like tap into her, where is she? What's she doing? Up hiding in the bathroom. Like, oh. so embarrassed. Oh, so, so embarrassed. like, just mortified that I... Okay. I just didn't... <sighs> of course you didn't. So, <laughs> how old is she? Is she 13? 14, 13, 14. 13, 14. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Pam, we're going to go to this girl in the bathroom. Here we are, our best adult selves, with all the work and all the compassion we have. We're going to go in the bathroom with that girl. Oh, my God. My heart is broken for her. <laughs> I can just feel her. Oh, those poor things. She's devastated. Oh, and she has to stay at the school. Now. I have to stay at the school now. Oh. And I, the thing is, if I would have gone to San, or to Monta Vista, I would have won. You know, what? I would have been the president. We got to be with what they it's, loved yes, you me. They, they, all my friends would have been like, yeah, we love Pam. Okay. So, so bring, bring your awareness to this girl in the bathroom. This is your best adult self. And we want to make ourselves known to her. And we want to tell her that we're here to help her. And this was a terrible thing that happened. And it really wasn't her fault. She really, really didn't know. And we want to bring her into present time where she can have healthier and more nourishing and supportive ways to manage herself 
socially and with her own enthusiasm in the world. Yeah. Enthusiasm. How do you feel about that girl? Well, I, you know, I thought she was, I thought she was pretty together. I mean, she is in a she lot of ways. Was pretty together, but it's just unfortunate that, like, the relationship to reality was so skewed. Like, she didn't know. She did I, not nobody, have the information. But I think that maybe even if people told me, I wouldn't have been able to hear it then. Okay. Because she might not have. She might not I, have yeah, been able to was, hear it. Okay, so that's was, that's okay. I mean, we all have our deficits. She's, but it's it really feels to me like it's rooted in enthusiasm and joy of living and wanting to use all. She's got all this life energy. I can feel she's like super enthusiastic, and her balloon just got totally smashed. I also thought though that it would be a good way to meet people. Right. Like I thought, Oh, student council, it's a good way to meet people. Even running that's, they could get to know who I am. They could see like, I haven't ever met any of these people before. I'm not part of this school. I have a lot to offer. It was like, look, here's me. Here's what I do. And they were like, fuck you. Right. Coming from another school and from the Richie Pants school. Right. So it was like... Okay. So this girl is going to watch what we're going to do now. I want her... She's going to watch what... Does she know that you're her adult self if you... you Sure. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm wearing the jacket. You got the jacket on. Okay. (laughs) So... So we're going to just know that she's watching what happens. So it makes a lot of sense how this got taken on, right? Does that make a lot of sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's pretty (gasps) tragic. Well, I wish that, and this is another problem. I have a lot of anger issues. I mean, I wanted to smack that guy Max in the face. Like, he basically did that to me in front of people. He just demeaned me and made it obvious that I was not cool in front of everyone. Terrible. And, and he totally I, disempowered you. And I got no opportunity to kick him in the balls. Like, right. And if I did, then I'd be known as the crazy person that kicks people in the balls, right. which I sort of had, a, a, but that was a reputation I already overcame. So I didn't, I didn't, not the ball kicking. I did throw a brick through a window. <laughs> I threw a brick through a window when I was in second, third grade and I, everyone was scared of me. Anarchy! And it, anyway. it was, it was good, but I didn't get to like. I mean, this is the funny thing is I actually saw that guy as an adult here after I moved to the city. I was in my early thirties. I was, I'd just gotten into graduate school. I was probably 33 years old, maybe 34. And funny enough, I was wearing this jacket and it was this guy, Max and Todd Benatar and Randy Wynn of all people, who's a baseball player who went to high school with me. And I saw them on the corner of 19th and Folsom. And I was out in front of the bar. I hung out at a lot, the homestead and they saw me and they were like, Pam Benjamin. And I was like, Todd Benatar, Max, the asshole and Randy Wynn. Nice to see you. Congratulations on being a famous baseball player. And I talked to them and some people came out and I introduced them as like, these are guys I went to high school with. And it was sort of a redemption because all these people were sort of saying kind of how cool I am or whatever to these guys who thought for years that I was not cool. So I sort of had this sort of like redemption moment of as an adult to be like, yeah, I'm fucking cool now, guys. I hang out at this bar. I live in San Francisco. I'm a badass. Like, so that was kind of a, but yeah, I mean, so I got a little bit of retribution, but, and I, I, I'll never forget the way I'll, I know exactly what that guy looks like still as an adult. Okay. That's a resentment. We'll talk about that in another Resentment, different stuff. (laughs) He deserves it though. So we're going to go back to the pickle. So we go back to the pickle. So the pickle's here. And, and we can really understand now what the pickle's purpose is, right? The purpose of the pickle is to protect you 
from not understanding what reality is. From not understanding what reality is, right? Trying to clean it up, trying trying to help you out, but it does it in this really negative kind of shaming, blaming, yeah, guilt post post uh, post production way. That's not super helpful. Okay, so we're gonna ask the pickle a couple questions. So the first question is, what if we're gonna ask the pickle this question? What do you want? Uh, what does the, the pickle the want? Pickle, Doesn't have to make any sense. Yeah, the the. The pickle wants me to not have a false sense of bravado. Okay. The pickle doesn't. The pickle doesn't want me to embarrass myself by thinking that I'm more than I am. Okay. Okay. So the pickle doesn't want you to embarrass yourself by thinking you more than you are. What does the pickle need for itself? What is the pickle's deepest need? If it has its own agenda, what? does the pickle really really need its deepest need uh if it was going to be fulfilled it wants people to think that it's that it's uh no because it negates all the good decisions or it just says that the any decision is bad that's the thing it doesn't matter if it was a good or bad choice it's just like all your choices are wrong the pickle thinks all my choices are wrong no matter what the choices are so this isn't a thought what does the pickle need What's its motivation? What's its What's it looking for, uh, for itself? The pickle needs me to feel bad about my choices. It, it makes what the does it get happy. out of that? Uh, the knowledge that it's doing something, that it's helping me. Okay. Even though it's but it kind of feeds off that negativity. Definitely. Right? Okay. Yeah. So that's its food. It never. It, the pickle never says like you did a good job. Like right. yes, you not thinking and making choices in the in an. A conscious, but not subconscious, but not unconscious. Like I'm there, but just not a, like a super in a non-planned, yeah, sort of execution way. When I'm just being, it doesn't like that. <laughs> All the choices when I'm right. being, well, you just said wrong. It 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 likes it when I'm when I'm feeling bad. Right. Okay. So that is the mark of negative energy interference that it feeds on suffering. We get back to the monsters Inc. thing, right? Can you see that? Like it actually generates the food that makes it feel good. And when you are good, it, what if you are great, what happens to pickle? It it tells me that I suck. It tells me if I'm doing great, it tells me don't, that you are too big for your britches. Now it says, even if things are great, it goes, you're not great. Don't do that. Don't think that you're, don't think that you did well. Like, I mean, it was hard last week. I mean, I was pretty in Arkansas. Everyone thought I was pretty and I came back home and I, and then I got, I got knocked down last Thursday and the pickle was like, see, see, you get all excited about stuff and you think things are good and guess what? Mm -mm." Okay. So if we get back to this idea of fear and joy. Mm. So it doesn't want you in the joy box. No, no. Right? No. It doesn't want you in. And I'm going to tell you, joy is a tremendous source of power. Joy is a tremendous source of power that has only productive and constructive consequences. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you that, right. right? And and so, and if you're in joy, then pickle gets no food. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So just to notice that that's a hallmark of a negative energy is that it creates negativity and that's its purpose. Under the guise of being protective. Um, so so the question again is, so if Pickle needs suffering, what does Pickle really need under the suffering? What does Pickle really, really need? If Pickle was going to come to its own 
It, well, pickle evolution. wants me to pickle wants me to not do anything. It wants me to like stay at home in the safety of my house with my cat and my wonderful boyfriend and be like, this is enough. You don't, why do you think that you need stage time? Why do you think that you need all this performance? Why do you think that you need? So pickle just needs more suffering. Pick. Yeah. Pickle wants more suffering. But what is, what does pickle get out of the suffering? Does pickle uh, just need a place to live? I don't know. And something to do? But he thinks he's helping me. I think that Pickle feeds off suffering, but he's also like, just stop doing things because then you won't do embarrassing shit. Like, if you do nothing, then nothing will be embarrassing or weird. So he's actually pushing you to anti-life because sure. to do less. To do less. Rather, he's, he's pushing you to devolve sure. rather than evolve. Again, a hallmark of, of negative energy. Right. Okay. So... Again, the question... So I'm going to ask you to do a funny thing. Yeah. I'm going to ask you, if our listeners can't see this, but I'm going to ask you to... So where is Pickle? If Pickle was here in the room, where is Pickle? Oh, he's like standing on the board. Okay. Yeah. So I want you to see... We're going to move Pickle over here. Okay. I'm going to move Pickle here. We're going to pull Pickle over over here. He's going to stand on this. Okay. Move him over here. Okay. Okay. I want you to stand up, and I want you to step into Pickle's energy and bring the mic with you. Oh, my goodness. Step Step into Pickle's energy. I want you to see... If you can, so you might even want to grab okay, yep, the pickle. Grab the pickle. Get into the pickle. I want you to really feel like the pickle is like you become the pickle. Okay. How does it feel to be the pickle energy? What is it like if you pickle it? You might even want to take on the shape of oh. the pickle. What is it like to be pickle energy? It's like uh it's like I'm my own mom, sort of telling like disappointment it's a constant disappointment pickles never happy with my choices he's always disappointed no matter what choice i make the pickle says that is the wrong choice why would you do that you're so stupid like why would you choose that why would you you know and then why look look at you Okay, sitting so on the bus like you're on the you're on the bus now what you can't afford a car what's wrong with you so this resonates with <laughs> with with mom energy so you were sure. even more right to pick this up yeah right. okay so the question is if you're pickle what is your deepest need that would bring you into peace and joy what is pickle need if you so if you were going to finish this what's the opposite of disappointment though that's like fulfillment fulfillment uh it's, I just think pickle really likes it when I'm disappointed with myself. Yes, it does. But it's if like, we get like so pickle suck. needs to be vulnerable. Nothing if you were going to finish this sentence, what I really need is if you were pickle, finish that sentence. What I really need. What is, I really need. Uh, oh, that's 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 so hard. What is he? What is he? What, is what does it? pickle really need? Uh, Most vulnerable need. To uh, to be a pre to be respected to be respected to pickle be respected. really needs to be respected yeah okay awesome so pickle. step out of that and oh, wait there's one more question oh, how will pickle feel if he's respected pickle well, was respected uh, how would pickle feel that's so hard because uh, the pickle doesn't necessarily know what that feeling is like. And we're going to imagine if pickle, if pickle really was respected, pickle would feel, I would feel, I, I would feel, I mean, I would try to feel joy about it, but it's like it, the thing that's so hard is that 
thinking thinking that it's like it's that it's that opposite of humility it's like if i embrace fulfillment then i'm then i lose concept of reality again because okay, so that's the fear right the that's fe- the fear right. okay but if but if what well, we're talking again we're talking not ego fulfillment we're talking about actually soul level fulfillment which is different which isn't about ego gratification it's not about pride we don't have to be afraid of it it's this is the joy basket that most of us don't even get to step into right okay so so how would pickle feel we imagine how pickle would feel if there was respect I mean, uh, the thing is, I don't think that Pickle would even know how to deal with doesn't that have to know okay. emotion because it's. So you said joy. You said joy. joy. We'll just leave okay, it there. We'll okay. Joy. So now, I wonder if you can sense or imagine that your body dissolves, and we're gonna offer, and the body becomes a nectar or an elixir. That is the quality of joy and respect. That's exactly what pickle really needs. Hmm. So you're gonna, your body's gonna dissolve. You're gonna an energetic form, and becomes a nectar or an elixir. That's exactly the respect and the joy that pickle really needs. And pickle can receive. So this nectar, what color is it? Does it have a color or texture? Oh boy. Maybe orange. Orange. Okay. Is it thin, thick? Uh, thin actually, because okay. thick is gooey and gross. Okay. It's easy to drink. Okay. It's good. Good. Like, like wake up in the middle of the night, super thirsty. Like, all right. Let's. So this. we're gonna fulfill pickle's deepest need, and mm-hmm. so pickle can take up this nectar of joy and respect, whether he absorbs it through the covering of his body, whether he drinks it, eats it. It pours over him. He soaks in it like brine. Like what happened? <laughs> how does how does pickle receive what he really needs? Well, I, I think it's going to be have to be a submersion thing. Like okay. there's because okay. I don't think the pickle's going to drink willingly okay. of the joy. So let's submerse. <laughs> so we're going to submerse pickle. Yeah. In in the jar. Respect. Yeah. And joy. And there's an unlimited supply. Ooh. And he can receive. To his complete satisfaction. Really allowing himself to receive exactly what he authentically needs. Submersed in joy and respect. An infinite supply. Being able to receive till he's completely satisfied, satiated. And just track what happens to Pickle as he receives that which he authentically needs respect and joy and what happens to pickle what do you notice uh well he's uh sort of uh become the the vessel that was soaked in is now like it's now he's not like a little like trapped inside of it but sort of becomes the outside of it Mm -hmm. uh in a in a shape that isn't so like bumpy and gross Mm -hmm. uh and so, yeah, like sort of like plumping up and so overtakes the jar. So like now he's like a little like uh, he's like a little jiggly puff, kind of like a little Pokemon guy that's like kind of squishy and like, oh, things are OK. OK, so we're going to continue to feed, continue even even if it, it until this complete satisfaction, as much respect and joy as can be taken in to his complete satisfaction. 
So it may change form. He may actually be drinking or eating now. The 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 dunk tank may get bigger. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. So that so that there's really we really want to fill this need completely. He's like a blimp now though. He's so big. He's That's like fine. I can't this much. Can my can I keep drinking? I can't. Yes, he can. It. He can continue. There's an infinite supply of respect and joy. And so what this keeps track what happens. Yeah, what, he's like in the sky now, he's all big, he's like a blimp, he's like, This is crazy. Look at the view. And so, (laughs) and is he continuing? Does he need more? Because there's plenty. There's plenty. He can continue. There was an infinite supply. Well, I think that he's going to cut himself off because he doesn't want to become like this huge, like spaceship size. He can become spaceship size if he wants. Let's just keep track of it as much as he needs. There was an infinite supply of respect and joy. We're tapping into. The principles were tapping into a field of energy that has an infinite supply of respect and joy. There is no limit to respect and joy. And he is tapped into it. And yeah. Feed. He's like, this is this still, I can still suck off this. It's crazy. So he can like, doesn't keep, even believe that he the, can. Yeah. An infinite supply, infinite to his complete satisfaction. So what's happening? Just tell us what's happening now. Uh, it's, uh, he's, in the sky, kind of like a big balloon tether sort of thing where I'm like, kind of hold on. I'm like, no, dude, that's cool. I won't let you go. You're not going to fly away. Okay. It's fine. And so let me know when he's satisfied, when he has I think him. I think he's pretty good. Okay. So the question is, is, is he an ally or a helper for you? Or is this an energy that you no longer need that now has been healed that can move on? to the place of its own next evolution. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, well, can I let go of the string and you have can. him float away? That's, you can. I, I mean, oof. You can. That's like, that's like a big, that's like a big thing to say. So you want to ask him, are you my helper now or do you need to move on to the next place for yourself? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that he's been very helpful. Okay. So is there anything you want to say to him before you let him go? Hey, dude, don't don't mess with other people. Don't fly up there in space and and uh, mess with anybody else. It's uh, well, he's different now, though, right? I'm sure. Yeah. Well, it's completely different shape. And mm-hmm. and uh, how's he feeling? Pretty good. Like um, like that. He can figure out sort of a motor and go in a direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but not definitely not weighing me down anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, do you want to let go of the string? Sure. Okay, so let it go. Let's track him as he moves to the place of his own next evolution. Yeah, he's got a little motor. He's like putting along in the sky, like, bye, later. Okay. And so now we want to ask for an ally or a helper to appear to replace him. Oh. That's helpful and constructive and nourishing and supportive that can help you move through the world socially and support your own highest good in this humble perspective of knowing what reality is. Oh, so what appears? Oh, well, I certainly like cat, cats a lot. So that's kind of like an image that okay. works with me. What color cat? Uh, like an orange stripy cat. Mm-hmm. 
And what's Soren Stripey Cat's personality like? Oh, he's a he's a nice guy. He's uh like big and fluffy and chill and just like mm-hmm. nice kitty. Did he have a gender? Uh, I, I like boy cats you better than girl cat? cats. Girl okay. cats are a little catty. <laughs> and so, um, and how will he help you? Um, I think uh, his big fuzziness uh, will help me by just sitting with me with my decisions as opposed to... Um, chastising them or being disappointed in them because like I don't know cats don't get real disappointed mm-hmm. I, so they're like you know he'll, he'll be like and cats can't talk mm-hmm. so <laughs> so I think they'll be, uh, be a much more um, like life affirming just being there kind just of being. thing cats are good at just to, being right as opposed to telling me that my um, decisions suck. Right. But saying, like, that was a decision. (laughs) (laughs) How more the cat way to do it. How will cat protect you? Um, uh, By, I don't know, giving me something to focus on that's not within myself and mean, like, as uh, giving me something to focus on outside of myself mm-hmm. uh, rather than like internally destroying or being disappointed in, in decisions or choices I've made. Right. Cats don't eat their own right. tail. Right. Right. Well, they do in their kittens, but they don't actually eat it. They just chase it. They chase it. Chase it. Right. Sure. Okay. And can cat make a vow or a promise to you? Sure. What would that be? Uh, I'm not gonna let you say bad shit about yourself because mm. you feed me and you're nice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's okay. You don't have to judge. You don't have to judge yourself so harshly. Right. How does cat feel about you? Oh, a cat loves me. Mm. Cat's nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about cat? Oh, I love cat. Awesome. Awesome. And how can you connect with cat? How can you connect with this energy when you need it? Um, I think it would be like an internal, like just sitting and thinking and like, not like physically petting, but sort of in my head, like being like, all right, you know, there you, you made a decision that you might not be super happy with, but you don't have to shame yourself. We can look at what happened in the moment Mm -hmm. and see like, you know, what is it? Did I really make, did I really do something dumb? so bad or you know what no one was really watching no one was paying attention I think that's another thing that cat can let me in on is like perspective right perspective Mm -hmm. that not everybody's paying attention all the time I don't and of course they're not who would be paying attention to me all the time that's insane it's interesting because cats cats do pay attention Cats notice all kinds of stuff. Mm. They notice detail stuff too. So, does that is that one of cats' attributes? The sure, kind of noticing? yeah, definitely. Okay, so cat actually has more eyes than you do. Like to be able to really notice all the details and be able to share those with you. Yeah, to give you that perspective. Awesome. Okay, so I wonder if you can imagine that cat is pouring his energy into you. It might come out of his eyes or his throat or his heart or his paws or the top of his head and that you can receive that energy of awareness and love and balanced perspective and 
that chill, just being present and really receiving that into your body. And it might come in the form. Is, is there a color? I think, it's a, I think it's a kitty high five. Okay. Yeah. So I really want you to take that into your body um, <clears throat> and particularly into your head and all the places where... Um, where the little pickle dick used to live. Right. So really see if you can like breathe that energy of the cat into your body, particularly into your head, the right side of your head, breathing it in down into your shoulders and arms, chest and belly, and into your legs, all the way down to the soles of your feet and the tips of your fingers and the crown of your head, just really receiving the energy of this new internal helper replacing this really old configuration this old habit this old pattern that was trying to help you navigate social situations but in a really shameful bad way and and this is now that that's been transformed and released and that, and now you're taking on a much more mature healthy appropriate loving, balanced way of assessing yourself in social situations. So really receiving that physically and mentally, emotionally, spiritually, energetically, professionally, creatively, relationally, all, it goes into all of the different systems and the way that you relate familially, all your different systems. And that perhaps you can even hug cat into your body. Oh, hey, I love, I love cats. And cat actually <laughs> just kind of like melts into your body yeah. and see where cat would reside in your body if you kind of like really brought cat into your body. Really ingesting, infusing. I would say almost like a like a uh, like a jacket because I don't want to take the cat and turn him into a jacket, but like. Um, that you can sort of that he's like draped around my shoulders and I can like wear the, wear the cat. Okay. And people, people like cats. They do. So if you feel, (laughs) if you feel that, like where is cat? Like on like his like head is, and paws are draped across one side and his little butt and tail and around the on the other side. And he's sort of like just draped on there like a, like a kitty stole. Okay. Like a stole. And how does it feel to have him there? He's not, it's nice. He's comforting little buddy. Okay. So now I want to bring our awareness back to this girl in the bathroom in 1985. 1985? I think 88, 88, but close enough. Yeah. Okay. And she's been watching. And how does she feel about the cat? Well, I mean, she loves cats because cats are great. And that's cool. You got a cool cat. How does she feel about you? Um, I think, I mean, She's, I mean, I hope she wouldn't be disappointed. I have a joke about wearing my cheerleading jacket that, um, it just reminds me what a disappointment I am to my parents. Cause I had so much promise. Mm. Um, but she'd probably be like, oh, varsity cheer. Oh my God. We make it on the cheer squad. No way. Yeah. And you run a radio show and a radio right, station. Right, right, right. Right. She'd probably think all that stuff is pretty cool, but okay. it's because the way she was raised, she'd be like, um, so like, where is Jesus Christ, your Lord and savior? And where is the money? Like, are you, I was, I mean, are you, she was very, um, well, what's it called uh, when you're materialistic? 
So show her your life today. Show her your life today and see what she thinks. Well, she thinks that I live pretty cool for junior higher if I wasn't an adult. Well, if you show her, if you show yeah, her your like, life. This is great. But show her your boyfriend and where you live and you're in the mission in San Francisco. Very cool. Yeah, no, she'd think it was cool, but she'd probably be like, I thought we were going to have a five-bedroom house. What do you want to tell her? Like, that stuff doesn't matter. You did that. Yeah, it's, it's okay. We, Does she know yeah. you did that? I don't know. We could talk. You got to tell her. Yeah. Tell her. Show her. You yeah. did that. Didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah. But, and, and I think that she probably knows too that like, you know, we live in a big house, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're these incredibly happy people or right. whatever. So, so if, is she interested in coming and being with you in your life today? Uh, probably. Cause it's a pretty fun time. I mean, I definitely would be like, you're not old enough to drink, but <laughs> she, she was such a Christian at that time. She wasn't into that stuff anyway. And what are, what are her gifts and talents? What, what's the life energy she holds? Um, I think at that point, uh, she's a, she was a good little, good little ballerina. Um, was really kind of excelling at that. Um, and she likes to read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. And there's some theater stuff happening. There was some some acting stuff back then. So, like, you know, real creative, perf- performance-based stuff. And how would it be to add her life energy into your life energy today? Um, I don't know how helpful it would be because the motivations from that time were so Jesus-centric that I don't know if her like insight would be well so we aren't awesome. actually on this level when we add life energy it's kind of stripped of personality construct oh, okay. it's really at its essence like the essence of her i feel a lot of enthusiasm from her yeah, and yeah, a yeah. lot of creativity from her definitely yeah um and so is she interested in being with you in your life today um I don't know. I think Can we that, ask her? Yeah, I just ask think her. that she uh, thought that I would be more famous by now, <laughs> but or, so, or famous in general, but that's not like a construct. I think that's going to... So that's a conversation to have, though. Yeah. If there's a, you know, so there's a part of yourself that still has some old ideas. Yeah. Right? That might need to be let go of to really come fully present into your life. Yeah, she's like... Like the only, I think it's that when, when you're, and it famous is the wrong word, but it's a lot of people listening or experiencing your art. And so that is sort of the, you're doing that. Well, yeah. You live that. Do you see that you live that? Not on the grand scale of, you know, I'm not a YouTube star. Like (laughs) not on the grand scale, but do you live that? Lots of people. Lots yeah. of people experience your art that, every week, yeah, true. whether they want to or not. I guess no, they have to tune in. They, they have, have to, to seek tune it out. In. They can't. They not. do. It's not like I'm. Although comedy in bars is oftentimes thrust upon a, an, an unwitting audience, they didn't sign up for it. Yeah, but you got five shows a week, girl. There's, yeah, that's true. That's right, true. right. Yeah. And you have a yeah. listener base. Like yes, there is that's like true. that's true. Right, that's there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she'd probably be pretty, she'd be like, yeah, that's fine. And the numbers, I mean, she'd be like, those are big numbers, but I'd be like, you're, you're in high school, you know, come on. All right. Well, let's do it. Do so call her into the room right now. Oh. Get her out of that terrible bathroom. She yeah. doesn't need to live there. That was an awful time that happened. That's done. Terrible. That happened a long time ago. And 
call yeah. her and if she was going to be in in the studio with us right now, where yeah. would she be? Uh, probably bouncing off the walls, sitting down. I don't know. Yeah, talking to Jesus in the corner. <laughs> so, so you got sparkled Jesus? No way. <laughs> so, so this is an ongoing conversation. Yeah, yeah. With this part of yourself, and and the idea of. Um, your own success and owning who you are today fully um, versus these older ideas about success that were given to you. Right. And and are you a disappointment or are you in fulfillment? Right. Yeah. That, so that, well, that's and I, I want to think that I, that my life is good and I'm in fulfillment, but every, but the pickle's gone. So I don't have to have that voice anymore, but it's hard because it's like, I think I like to believe that what I have is enough, but somehow I still don't believe that what I have is enough. Like, but it's like that. Can't I just be, it's like, come on, can't you just be happy with what you have? Like, <laughs> what do you need? Do you need more? I gotta say, I gotta say with the addition, this is where it's interesting when we, when we look at parts of ourselves that we get kind of cut off from, which is kind of what happened with her a little yeah. bit like there's some trauma and, and her ambition got, really stomped on to re uh to retrieve that ambition right that's kind of authentic to who you are that desire to make the world a better place that desire to do work like i want to do a lot of work you know it's interesting because there is i think there's healthy ambition i think that we do kind of have optimal life purpose and and i would wonder like this conversation if you're having if with the retrieval of this energy into yourself, if there isn't going to be a push to maybe do something a little bit different hmm. that may be even more fulfilling than what you're doing now. I don't know, but I'm, I'm curious about that. Well, we'll see what happens this year with the festival. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious about that too, because our, because I believe the desires that we have are there to move us forward to our own soul's fulfillment. Mm. Um, and so, whenever anybody says, "Well, shouldn't I be happy with what I have?" Yes, in the moment, yes, it's you know, happiness is about wanting what we have, right? Um, but want there's nothing wrong with wanting more and to query what it is, what the real one is and, and how do I fulfill that? Sure. That's the joy bucket. Right. Um, yeah. Positive and amb- positive ambition. And it may not be a fi- you know, the, the five bedroom house and sparkly Jesus, like those are, those <laughs> are exterior I, things. Well, I already did that though. And it wasn't you did fulfilling. It. So it's fine. Yeah. Right. 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 So, um, so we'll have to check in. Right. But see what we, if the pickle is truly gone. With the pickle voice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes there's habit energy and we'll like want to do it. What I encourage you to do, though, is to think about the cat. Right. And to practice. A lot of times the, the voice is just gone. Sure. Because what we've done, I mean, it's interesting that it's a pickle, is the thing I love about this particular process, and this is a derivative of that feedy demons that I was sure. talking about, is that a lot of times in Western psychology, Western spiritual practice, it's very masculine where we like revenge on things or kill them or kick them in the balls or cut yeah, them off, yeah. right? And and this is about looking at the deepest need and fulfilling the deepest need sure. from a place of compassion. And when we do that... 
it actually is transformative. And transformation is different than killing something or cutting it off. Right. Transformation actually changes things. It takes garbage and it makes it into compost. And once garbage becomes compost, it doesn't become garbage again. Right. 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 Yeah. Sure. It feeds. It's like a cucumber. Once a cucumber becomes a pickle, it can never become a cucumber again. Right. So that transformative process, which is really what Jesus taught. I mean, it, all great spiritual masters teach um, that the energy of compassion, it's how Gandhi freed India from uh, England. Yeah. Really, yeah. it is, right? It's how Martin Luther King turned the civil rights movement around from being in a place of strong compassion. It changes things. Sure. Um, I derailed your phone call, though, today. It's totally fine. I, you know, I was hoping, <laughs> I was hoping we could do, I was hoping we could do this. No, uh, no, that was great. I mean, the, the little, I mean, it's, it's good to recognize like the places in my life where things went wonky and be like, look at that and recognize it and say, you know, that has created patterns in my life, which aren't, which aren't necessarily helping me. Not because none of this stuff none of this stuff helps me like all the, the negative self-talk like that doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't help, help me forward at all. No, it doesn't help us. I mean, and it's irrational. It's like, but it's so, it, it, it's such a patterned thing now where, and it, you, and I sit on the, sit there on the bus and I go kick myself. God, I'm so stupid, but it doesn't, that doesn't, it doesn't need to be like that. It can, no. I don't have to have the negative. It could say, I can look at it without the judgment with the cat, like the cat and I can sit down and look at it and be like, all right, that's what happened. And how is As, that different? How are they different? It, Cause it's just, it's, it's not pickle like negatively jumps on every choice, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's a positive choice still, Oh God, you said that to that person. That's terrible. Or you like, I sent out for one, one example, I, I got excited about the concept of the, that school thing the other day and turning, and I sent out a bunch of emails to a bunch of different schools. And then after pickle was like, you're an idiot. Like, why did you do that? Why would you send that out? You're just making yourself look stupid. Pam's talking about starting a program to train comedians. Right. In a, in a college based thing, like right. CCSF or what have you. Right. And, uh, which I think is a fabulous idea. Yeah, I think it would comedy be comedy college. Yeah, but there I mean there it'd just be a comedy college that would be free and at a college level as opposed to like the one that's downtown where they make you pay lots of money. Right. But to to sort of elevate the art so that people actually see it as an art as opposed to like people standing on stage with a microphone because of the hubris of their ego that thinks that they can entertain people with a microphone. Oh my god. But so that's the same voice that's like, how dare and the pickle would say all the time, how do you, you think you're 44 years old now? You've been doing comedy for seven and a half years. You really, you really think that anybody's listening. You really think that this is a good thing. And I'm like sitting there going, Hey pickle, actually I'm not terrible about at this. Like I, I don't suck at it. So I don't know why the pickle is constantly telling me that I suck because I, I really don't, I don't think I'm, People laugh at my jokes. They at least listen. So again, we get back, if we get back to this idea that there's two buckets that we can drink from, right. we can drink from the bucket of fear and negativity. We can drink from the bucket of joy and fulfillment and fear and negativity also includes anger and outrage and yeah. judgment and all that, all that negativity. And 
you know, I mean, we look at it every day in the choices we make with the media that we consume, sure. with the choices in the kind of conversations that we have. And it's, you know, we all have, we all have both of those within us. We all sure. have fear and judgment and criticism and anger and rage and resentment and self-righteousness. And we all also have joy and fulfillment and love and compassion and selflessness and generosity, right? So which one, and you know, the negative is a little bit more edgy. It, well, it's easier too. It's easier. It's easier to be negative than it is to be positive. It is because it's de- It's it's actually about not taking risks. It's about ego gratification. It's about being invulnerable, and um, and putting other people down so we elevate ourselves. It's 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 about the attempt is to feel better instantly, whereas the bucket of generosity, compassion, fulfillment, love is about being vulnerable. Right. It's about taking risks. It's about growing outside. It's about being constructive and creative and moving into the unknown. Sure. It really is. I mean, this is about the, the fear is about being in the known. Right. And the joy is about being in the unknown. It's right. much more adventurous. It actually <laughs> takes, uh, you know, for me, it's the hard and scary thing. And I just want to say, Pam, you know, if you didn't do what you do, and all the work and dedication that you have, I wouldn't be able to be here. And this is really, this is huge. This is me stepping outside my comfort zone to do this and to expand my work and to look at different ways to bring my work into the world. I'm so grateful for you. I've actually never seen you do a comedy act, which is like my shame (laughs) at this point. I have not seen it. I mean, I get to, I get to laugh with you every week, but, um, you know, you don't know how many people you impact in a positive way that's by nice. what you do that maybe has nothing to do with comedy. Well, and I have to, that's what I've been trying to remind myself lately is that when um, I sit there and go, oh, you know, you're pickles, like you're a shitty comedian and what do you think you're doing and blah, blah, blah. And, and whatever my quote unquote place in the San Francisco comedy stratosphere is, a lot of that doesn't matter at all because mutiny radio has nothing to do with comedy. Like, I mean, it does, obviously it has something to do with comedy. There's a lot of comedy here, but me as a comic and mutiny radio as an entity don't have to be synonymous. Right. Exactly. They're not, no, they aren't synonymous because my experience of you and of mutiny, I mean, you're the manager of the station who comes and helps me and hangs out and we have great conversations and you're helping me learn how to do this thing that I have no idea how to do. Well, you know how to do it now. I know how to do it now, (laughs) but, but you know, I mean, you're a great teacher and you create this great and loving, really open, fun environment and, and really have provided an opportunity. And so I'm just going to say cat stuff. I have to focus on because the, the comedy stuff is like, it's where the pickle is because you it's, you're getting a microphone and you're screaming into the void. You're constantly screaming into the universe saying like, I exist. I exist. Like that's all stand-up comedy is. It's like standing up on stage with a microphone, like screaming, I exist to the universe. I'm real. I exist. I'm here. That's like, and there's so many people that do it. And why do we feel the need to stand up? in front of people that we either know or don't know and say, here's who I am. I exist. I'm unique. Why I'm funny? Why? Because, because the ultimate reality is that we are all connected. We are all expressions of the deeper consciousness that is underlies everything of yeah. the one. But we, you know, when we get legs and we're walking around on the earth, we're disconnected. Right. Sure. And so the attempt 
I think that's what everybody's doing on different levels. It's like, I'm here. Right. I'm real. Yeah. Like, am I real? Tell me I'm real. Right, like, right, we right, all right, want right, to know right, that. Right, and right. we all, ha- I do it too. I mean, that's, I think it's what we do as humans. The great thing is, is when we can really be present and see when other people say, yeah, I see you. Ah. You're real. Sure. So I'm going to tell you right now, Pam, I see you and you're real. No, you're real. And you're really helping people. And you know, the great, the greatest people in the world, those who have done the most good in the world, didn't live in five bedroom houses. (laughs) A lot of them didn't. That's that's not the thing that we remember about them. It's the way they affected the people in the community. Well, and some of them aren't even known until, I mean, look at Emily Dickinson. She had like two published poems during her life. And then posthumously, she had over five. 500 poems published and it's like, and she's one of the most, you know, well-known American poetess of our time or whatever. And she lived in an attic. Right. In Massachusetts. Yeah. And it was. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, I have cool. been there. All yeah. those people knew each other. Walt Whitman and Emily. They all. Yeah. They lived. Oh, it was so beautiful where they lived out in Concord and Lexington. And, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'm a Thoreau fan. All those guys. Those guys. Yep. Yep. Been to, been to the. You went to his little cabin in the woods? I've been to the cabin well, in the woods. Yeah. Well, pond. the cabin doesn't exist anymore, but the oh. pond is there. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's Good beautiful. stuff. Well, this was incredibly helpful for me today. I mean, seriously, I haven't thought about that, that, that terrible high school, junior high transition thing in a while. It was tough because people didn't like me. I applied, I tried to be a cheerleader and I kept applying is the wrong word, auditioning. And I didn't make it for the freshman team or the junior varsity team, but I did make it for varsity, which was so funny. So I became, I was a cheerleader my junior and senior year. So all the other, right. I know I was like, I didn't make it the freshman or sophomore year, but suddenly when I was a junior, like I did it. And then I I did it for two years. And there was a time, this guy's name was Kenny. Oh God. He was a mean little motherfucker. He's one of the only black kids at school. So I get it. Like if I was one of four black kids, I would totally make fun of everybody also, but they published in the school newspaper when the cheerleaders were announced for the following year. So it was my sophomore year and I was in driver's ed and this guy, Kenny was behind me. He was very tall and, uh, he looked at it and he goes, this is a joke, right? This is a joke newspaper. This is so funny because it says that you're going to be a varsity cheerleader, which is obviously a joke. And he said it in front of like the whole class. And I was like, nope, that's real. I'm a cheerleader next year. That's a thing. And he didn't kick him in the balls? No, I didn't. I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh, why did I even apply? Why did I try? Why do I try to be a cheerleader? And so, and then, then it was like, once I finally became a cheerleader, people were like, you just wanted to be a cheerleader so you could be popular, but we're not going to let you be popular anyways. You know. And I was like, no, I became a cheerleader because I have a really loud voice and I'm a proficient dancer and I want to perform at the halftime games. And I like the little skirts. Like what? The outfits are cute. I, I like cheering. I've always been like a cheerleader type of person, like, yay. And so, but I mean, it was high school. So, and but I guess that stuff leaves marks and scars. Totally. And like I mean, I remember, oh God, cause I got really fat in high school. I gained 70 pounds. Wow. Yeah. My junior year of high school. When one year, what happened? You, what? I stopped doing drugs and smoking oh. cigarettes. Yeah. I didn't know. You got I healthy. Said, <laughs> I got healthy. And I became president of my senior class. Wow. As a matter of fact. When yeah. you were fat? When I was fat. What? Yeah. 
Yeah, I did. But wow. people were mean to me. When I get into college, I went to go to a party one time, and they said, oh, no, you can't come in. We don't allow fat girls. <sighs> right? So I wrote, a, I wrote an article. It was a turning point because I went home, and I was like, I'm fat. I suck. And, um, and then I get mad. And I wrote an article about prejudice against fat people, and they published it in the, in the newspaper. And you know what? It's funny because I hung out with a lot of African-American. It was an African-American minority at the college I went to when I hung out with a lot. My boyfriend was black. And, um, and I kind of studied the way that they moved through some of the bigoted sure. demographics at the school. And, um, you know, like not being impervious to it. And, uh, and I really worked to take that on. And, you know, after that, if anybody said anything to me, I was on them like flypaper. Yeah. It totally changed after that. And now to this day, if anybody gives me shit, who are you talking to? You know, I'm like, what? Sure. You got yeah. something to say? Right. You got a problem? Yeah. You got a problem with that? You don't like my ass? Cause my ass is really cute now. But <laughs> <laughs> want to see? 70 no. pounds. But yeah. Yeah. But it really, um, yeah, I've had a whole interesting experience of being a skinny girl, fat girl, skinny girl. Yeah. There was a movie that they just recently had. It was on the Netflix and I can't remember what it was, but there was a scene in it where all the guys at this one fraternity, they had a party and they took a fat girl and that was the whole party was to see who could bring the cutest fat girl or whatever. And they, and so it was like a whole theme about it. And I just watched this movie and I was like, when are they going to say that this is bad? (laughs) Like, when is there going to be some shaming about this behavior? Wasn't it just some movie about I'm so pretty. It was like some girl that supposedly is chubby and she thinks she's pretty. And then I, yeah, there's a new Netflix thing for me. She's it's a, it's a series or whatever. And she's, she says that she's a loser or whatever. It's something like that. It's on Netflix. Um, yeah, people are trying to be more body positive, but I, I don't know. It's at all. It body positivity has always been. It's a social construct that we are thrown into, and we have to sort of abide by it. And it's the same sort of thing as like makeup or right. the way that you dress or. Right. No, it's a whole. It's, it's all, all about how people perceive, perceive us yeah, the from the outside rather than the inside. So in spiritual psychology, we're all about the inside. Insides. So if you want a free session of spiritual psychology and have your life completely changed. I'm completely changed. Like today. Pam, You've completely changed me today. You can, uh, the, um, the pickle dick is gone. <laughs> Sergio loves the pickle dick. Pickle dick is gone. Sergio it was the came. bad voice in my head yeah. that told me that the, I, pickle dick is gone. the disappointment and, and you the, got the loving cat. I got the loving cat. That's it. Got rid I'm going to be dick. so interested to see what happens. So if you would like to have a free session of spiritual psychology, the requirement is that it goes and gets published online. Uh, we can do it anonymously, but you can send me an email, info at com. You can send me a text, 415-672-4992. Have a lovely week. We'll look forward to talking to you again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Uh, your volume's down. My volume is down. Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2019. Applications open until November 30th for 25 shows in five days. 40 comics chosen March 1st through 5th, 2019 for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's our fourth annual, and we hope you apply from whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from. Apply now. Now.
now through November 30th. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, for more details. Aloha, mutineers. Stolowitz here. People ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time listening to mutinyradio.fm? Well, the answer is simple to me. It's the love I find here. We've got so many great programs here. There's something for everybody, surely. Well, maybe not the Hitler crew, but you know everyone else. Let me tell you about some of my favorite shows here at Mutiny you may not have heard about. Labor and Love with Bill Morgan is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Bill is passionate about labor, jazz, and solidarity, and he tells you how it is. No BS. If somebody gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. I always learn a lot from Labor and Love. It's educational and inspirational. The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian Haight-Ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics got to hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2. The title says it all, classic vinyl albums with no apologies. Great stuff! You can listen in live to these fine programs on mutinyradio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal! Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl! Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Oh 
Jackson to War Bison and Murphy's Law, and now we're very excited. Not my show. Six, ten, eighteen. The park side.
check, check, one, two. Yeah, yeah, check, check, one, two. Hey, hey. Senator Vogel, he 